Welcome to today's episode of Project Redemption, real life stories, redeemed, restored, retold. I'm your host, Athena Dean Holtz, and thanks for hanging out with us today. All right, well, today you are gonna be meeting Redemption Press author, BJ Garrett. And if you have not met her before, you are in for a thrill. Just such a great story of how God rescued her. You're going to love this. So um, I'm going to just tell some fun things that I happen to know about BJ. Her bio is down in the show notes, so you can grab it there. Uh, By the way, though, she is the author of an award-winning book, Memoir of the Year in 2021, Unwanted No More. And she is working on an upcoming book, Ashamed No More. So BJ, welcome to the podcast. Hello, my sweet friend. Mm, So good to have you. So let me just tell the people a little bit about you just your uh, <laughs> side people might not see when they watch you on this podcast. Uh, BJ loves white river rafting. That did not surprise me one bit. <laughs> Knowing her personality, she is just like all in no matter what. And uh, she is always doing these super fun road trips. If you're not following her on Facebook, you need to do that. We'll give that information at the end. But I mean, she is a die-hard Loretta Lynn fan from the get-go. Oh my goodness, we went with her to Loretta Lynn's estate and every little piece of it. We were there with her, pictures, everything. It was amazing. This is a fun fact I did not know about her. She once saw the Oak Ridge Boys in concert while she, and I'm guessing someone else, some significant other, were on the run from the law. That has to be an interesting memory. It is. I was actually a little girl, so it was with my mom and her husband at the time. But yes. All right. All right. Uh, And then one last thing, she eats like a toddler. She loves McDonald's and hates vegetables. So, oh my goodness, this woman is one of the most fun people I know. And I just cannot help from from being absolutely encouraged every time I'm around her. So I am excited for you all to hear her story and hear what God has done in her life. So BJ, we're just going to jump on in to the first aspect that we love to cover in this newly branded podcast, Real Life Stories, Redeemed, Restored, and Retold. So tell us your redemption story. How did Jesus get a hold of you? Yeah, so I love that. But really, it started out, I had been working in the sex industry we had had a house fire. Actually, we had I had I had come out of the sex industry, but we had a house fire. And every tragedy that would come up in life financially, I would always be back on the stage, and because that was just my go-to. My husband hated it, I hated it, but that's just it was easy money, right? And so I was back at the club working, and um, 
I just randomly had a friend that said, um, you know, hey, I know this little tea room in Buller, Texas that's needing a waitress. You should give them a call. So I did. It was so awkward. They hired me over the phone. I had never even been to the tea house. And it was really there where God just immersed me in a, in a group of Jesus-loving women. The owners were Christian. Almost all of the, the customers were, were Christians. And I just literally went from selling my body on a stage on Saturday night to serving little chicken salad sandwiches and raspberry tea to sweet little ladies that were praying. And they just began to pray for me and they loved me right where I was at. They did not know my story. They did not know where I had been even just the Saturday night before. And it didn't matter because they loved Jesus and they loved me. And it was through them that I eventually got invited to church with them and where I would eventually surrender my entire life to the Lord and then um, into, in surrender into full-time ministry. Wow. And that the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit got a hold of you and absolutely you went from dark to light, like yeah. boom, like big yeah. time. Yeah. So, okay. I want to, uh, cause this is probably this, the part of your story that is going to, just so speak to many that are listening. Just we think, you know, God can't do that. They're too far gone. No way. And he is so able, so much bigger than anything we can imagine. And it is so exemplified in your story. So I just love to hear the restoration, you know, bad things happen in life and God will use those and bring good out of them. So give us your, I mean, I think start at the beginning. Okay. So that's all very evident of the uh, bad that can happen in a life and the good that God can bring from it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm, I'm sincerely at a point in my life where I truly do thank God for all of the ugly that did happen in my life. And and basically, just in short, I grew up with a lot of abuse, um, physical, emotional, even spiritual abuse, but primarily sexual abuse. My mother had allowed men access to my young body all of my life. I don't really ever remember that not being part of my story. And so as as many other young girls or young men, actually, um, with similar stories like that, I became very promiscuous at a very young age and actually became pregnant with my first child at age 14. Five days after I turned 15, I became a mom. And I did marry um, my daughter's father. That relationship didn't last and kind of a spiral of out of control of relationships, trying to fill that Jesus size void. And, you know, I had learned at such a young age that my body was how I got things, how I got affection, how I got love, how I got physical things. And so, um, so I switched from my mother selling my body basically to me selling my body. Mm -hmm. Um, through that I had multiple abortions 
And um, it was really through the, um, the, I had, I actually did get married to an amazing guy. We were both lost. We did not know the Lord at all. Um, he was actually, uh, gr his grandparents were amazing Baptist ministers, um, Southern Baptist, like super conservative. And he grew up knowing the truth. And I actually had been in church my whole life, ironically. So that's a whole nother story. But I was in church all the time because my mother was an abuser of the system. And anyone that could that could and would help us, we would join that church um, for that season. So I had been, and, and really that is instrumental because what I learned is then when I hit rock bottom, Although I never wanted to ask for help and never wanted to go to, go to the church for help, I learned that when you're down, you go to the church. And so that piece stuck. And so then after our house fire, I'm back at the clubs working, back selling my body. Um, and so I just knew I had to go back to church. And um, and again, that was really the tea house, the, the women at the tea house, they played an instrumental piece of that. But I was so unbelievably broken. My husband, keep in mind, my husband at that time didn't even know my story. So through any of that, many years of marriage, he didn't know anything. It wasn't until we were probably three years into a, a post-Jesus marriage that the Lord finally, um, that I had enough trust in Jesus to tell my husband all of my story. He didn't know about any of the abuse. He didn't know about... He didn't know about anything um, at all. And so, uh, and the enemy used that in really ugly ways, you know, of course, because that's what the enemy does. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's the ugly, but Jesus, oh, it, oh, if you could understand how broken I was, all of the ugly things that I had done, all of the ugly things that had been done to me. I mean, people hear my story today. They're just like, they can't believe that it's even true. It's like Jerry Springer on steroids stuff. Right. Yeah. So the, the transformation um, was so complete, not just in my life, but my husband's life and specifically in our marriage. Um, it's unbelievable what God has done for us. And then how did God take that? broken, ugly, you know, all the abuse against you that you are not responsible for. Um, how did he take that and then use it for you to be able to minister to other women? I think the, the first part of that was through my abortions because I found healing from my abortions and that was a huge bondage. Now I had had a lot of other traumas for sure, but probably for me, um, my abortions were the, the heaviest that I had, you know, not dealt with. And so, um, finding hope through abortion recovery was huge. And then I began to serve women in that way. So for so many years, I thought I was the only one that hurt from abortion. And like, how can you love Jesus? How can you love being a mom, but also have had abortions, right? right. And um, and so I, I've lost two children to abortion. And so, and it like, it's, for some reason, it just seemed like even like worser. I know worser is not a word, but I say it all the time. It was just worser because I had more than one. And so like the first one, you can kind of like excuse. I didn't know. I didn't understand. But then when you have more than one, like, you know, 
And when you're a mom already, and I loved being a mom, so that was just the heaviest burden. So being able to give back in that way, but then God began to use um, like student ministry and broken, God would just bring these broken students to me that were dealing with similar things that I had grown up with. And so to see that transformation and that God would use the ugliness in my life to give these young people hope, um, it just, I don't know, it just began to validate in some weird way that everything I, that I went through had a purpose. Hmm. And not that God planned it or that God wanted it in any way, because that's gross and disgusting, but that God didn't waste it. And he had a purpose for my life and a purpose for my story. And now that I've written this book, at least, and I, I have to believe there's more, but at least seven people that I know of have come to know the Lord mm. specifically from reading my story and um, in, in the gospel, obviously, but they've come to know Jesus just because they, they, it's the truth is that if God can save me, yep. ugly, nasty, disgusting me, and he can use me today for his glory, then girl, God, he can use anybody, like yep. literally. Wow. So that has been quite a, I mean, I remember the first time you text me that yeah. 15 or 16 year old who with her boyfriend knelt yeah. down and prayed. Yeah. And, like, and they're married now. I got to go to their wedding. Ah! I know. Yeah. They, they had been living together and they both accepted Christ um, mm -hmm. after reading my book and um, just unbelievable, Athena. Like who gets that? Like, like who am I that God has allowed me to hear this? And then the numerous women, I don't even know how many women now have gone through abortion recovery because again, they realize they're not the only one. And we, we get this idea in the church that we're the only one that did this, but unfortunately we're just not and so there is hope and healing through jesus christ and he does he did not die on the cross so we could carry around our shame and condemnation that's not why he did it yeah totally and sitting in the church i think the number is like one in three women have had abortions and probably yeah. Yeah. the majority have not dealt with it because you know we believe well, we're a new creation, so we don't have to look back and deal with anything, but our spirit's a new creation, but that soul wound is right. still festering and needs God's touch. That's right. You're such a great example of that. And I love that about your story that you were, you saw the fallout in your own life, even as a Christian and knew you needed healing and so good. So I would love to just have you um, share a little bit about your book. I mean, you've already shared basically your story, but just the message of the book and what you hope that readers will walk away with after they read it. I think the whole message of my book is forgiveness. Um, so spoiler alert, um, I was able to forgive um, my biological father, who was one of my first and primary offenders. Um, I was able to forgive my mother, who instigated and even watched sometimes me being violated by men. 
And, um, and God actually, not only did I get to forgive them, he actually allowed me to restore a relationship with them. And my mom only for a few days because she literally was on her deathbed. But my dad, I had three whole years um, with a dad. And I'm telling you, y'all, my dad was the most vilest of men. And God saved him. And he gave me three years of a dad that loved Jesus. And, and it's just unbelievable. Again, like, it's just this idea that we we feel like we're so bad that our sin is worse than everybody else's. And I'm telling you now that my dad's sin was worse than everybody else's. And yet God died for him. Jesus Christ yeah. died for him and he redeemed him. And now don't get me wrong. My children, I didn't let my little girl sit in my dad's lap. I didn't let my dad babysit my young children at all. Um, but I had Thanksgiving dinner with my dad. My dad got to take my son fishing. I was with him. Um, again, there was no unsupervised stuff because that's dumb. That's just right. dumb. Right. But don't do that. Right. Forgiveness, forgiveness does not equal trust. Exactly. exactly. Thank you. And it doesn't say it's okay. It doesn't excuse what he did right. for my mom. But I no longer had that burden. His What he did to me no longer weighed me down. And I was able to sincerely build a relationship with him for three whole years. And um, it's just, it's, so the theme of my book is forgiveness. And, and that's really hard, especially when you have been brutally violated, regardless whether it's your parents or a stranger in an alley, it doesn't matter. But to be able to really forgive those who have violated you in minor or major ways, really, you're the recipient of that freedom. And so, um, so that's the theme of the book. And obviously, just um, trusting in Jesus Christ, because he is the freedom giver, right? Mm, amen. And you know, when you make a choice to forgive because you know it's what God is asking of you. So when you make a choice to forgive, whether they have repented, whether they've said they're sorry, whether anything like that has happened, when you decide to forgive for your own soul, that is such a powerful thing to do. And the enemy wants to say to you, Oh, they, they didn't repent. Why should you forgive them? I mean, uh, there'll be a litany of, of reasons why you shouldn't forgive. But just even if you don't feel like it, and even if you don't think they deserve it, they don't deserve it. But neither did we, right? So just taking that brave step of forgiving but that doesn't automatically mean there's restoration in the relationship. There's, you know, all the trust is, is restored. It doesn't mean that, but. And it doesn't mean that there's no consequences, right? There are genuine consequences to sin, but yeah. I would also just want to mention really quick that what I hear a lot is that I just can't forgive myself. And I just want to encourage anyone who is struggling with that. And this is going to maybe step on your toes for a second because I get it. And we, we all think our sin is worse and, 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 and what we did can't be forgiven. Um, but you need to really think about what you're saying. When you say, I can't forgive myself, literally what you're saying is, Jesus, what you did on the cross was not enough for me. It was enough for Athena. It was enough for BJ. It was enough for my husband or this person or that person. But I can't forgive myself. So what you did for me was not enough. Mm. And when you really put that in perspective, you don't have a right to not forgive yourself. You just don't. 
either Jesus did what he did on the cross to forgive you or he didn't. You can't have both. You can't you can't live in unforgiveness and in forgiveness at the same time, not completely. Wow, that is so so good. And even if you don't feel it, even if you don't deserve it, we none of us deserve it, but you still right. have to do it. Yeah. Jesus said that we have to forgive and that he didn't say forgive everyone else, but you're off the hook with yourself. You can just continue to beat yourself up. No. Yeah. Oh, that's well, so. And I love, I love what you said too is, I mean, forgiveness is not a feeling. It is a command. A choice. Yeah. It's a choice. It is something we are told to do. And yeah. so it's not about, you know, our heart is deceptive, right? And so it's what our heart feels isn't always the truth. And even if it's condemnation, right? And mm -hmm. so um, we have to not listen sometimes to our heart, but do what God's word says to do. Even when it doesn't feel good, even when it doesn't make sense, we believe because we know his word is true. Right. So even if you say to yourself, well, I don't even believe this. Why am I saying this if I don't believe it? Because God said to do it yes. and the feelings will come sooner or later. Yeah. You will feel that forgiveness. But it's a step of faith that we all have to make when we have been violated or done, you know, as a result of that, done some pretty nasty things. Um, that is our, that's the only thing we can do. We yeah. can't make it go away, but we can choose to do what Jesus asked us to do so that he can wash us clean. We yeah. have to have that forgiveness piece others and ourselves. So I'm so glad you touched on that as we wrap this up today. That was so, so powerful. So BJ, if we have some people listening, watching, uh, where can they reach out to you? Where's the best place for them to find you? If they want to invite you to come speak at a women's event or whatever, what's the best way? Um, so the easiest place is probably my website, bjgarrett.com. Um, but then the other place that I'm most active would be Facebook. I do Instagram and I do tweet every once in a while, but I'm not active on those profiles at all. And so Facebook is just old school where I'm at. And that's really where I share most of my life. I only have one page, BJ Garrett, speaker, author, and, um, and everything. I just live my life openly through that avenue. And I share my adventures and I share my grandchildren and I share my projects and fun events all through Facebook. And, and your, you share your struggles too, which is what makes you so much more believable than people that just put on everything's perfect. Yeah. Face. No, it's definitely not everything's perfect. I mean, I don't just air all my dirty laundry, I don't think, right. but I do, I live my life very real and open. And yep. so you get what you get with me. And, um, and sometimes and I, appreciate, I, because and I was, appreciate that about you is what you see is what you get. When I met you in you person, you're the same person in person as you are online. And yeah. I love that. Thank you. I'm a little bit extra, but Jesus loves me extra and all. And so you are. are way more than a little bit extra girl. <laughs> and I love that about you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you for being with us today. It has been absolutely a delight as always. And may God continue to bless your ministry. Thank you very much. I love you. And I love, I just love the opportunity. Thank you. Mm, amen.
Well, thanks for joining us today on the Project Redemption Podcast, where we hear real life stories redeemed, restored, retold, brought to you by Redemption Press and Romans 828 Books and Gifts. We'd love to have you review and follow this podcast, share it with friends and family, and help us get the word out on your preferred digital platform. So again, thanks for joining me today, and I'll look forward to being with you again next week for another episode of Project Redemption, Real Life Stories, Redeemed, Restored, Retold.